Can I have you all just take a seat? And can I have David, would you lower the lights? I want you to just stay with that statement we just sang for a moment. Just, just let your thoughts be lost in what it is you're waiting for. If you're, if you're joining us from other places, this applies to you 100%. Because I know we share something in common, many things in common. In this room... And in, in any place, any people, we struggle with that song. It's a beautiful song. It, it, it encaptures so many things that we believe. Uh, on your word, I will rely. That's the answer. Jesus is the answer. We sang about that earlier. But waiting is hard work why it's talked about so much in the Bible, Psalm 27, Psalm 37, Psalm 40, Isaiah 40, and on and on and on. Isaiah said it well. Those who wait on the Lord, and who among us has, hasn't waited for something? I don't know. He goes on to say they will gain. Isn't that a great promise? You don't even need me to finish the verse to know that there's something about the hard work of waiting that results in gain. I sang it with my father on my heart this morning and I, and I thought of uh, something that we made light of and appropriately so, so did he. But he waited for a bus. <laughs> a long time. And if I saw a complaint on my dad's lips and in his heart, it was, why the wait? Why so long? And maybe that's you in this gathering this morning. And maybe it's not about something epic like the bus to take you home to be with Jesus. Maybe it's a, a situation you literally are powerless to change. I know a lot of you and a lot of those in my own life can't fix it, can't change it, but I can wait. And that's not just a cop-out. So would you close your eyes right now, and would you, in your own experience, take what it is you're waiting for and say, Jesus, I want that to be my favorite song. And I want you to help me daily focus my attention on you because I know that that's where my help comes from. That, you, are where my answer lies. Will you just whisper your situation to the Lord? He knows it, but let your own ears hear you say it softly, Jesus. I'm waiting for you to do. Just finish the sentence in your own sweet and honest way. Will you affirm this morning that maybe in a fresh way you will rely on His Word? He's never been slow about a promise. We sometimes think so. But in trusting Him, 
you realize he's the sovereign Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, and his time has never been off. And until we too get on that bus with you, Lord, may we have the confidence and the courage to wait on you. And help us to love you in the process. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a more appropriate greeting, how you going, mate? <laughs> we heard that expression a whole bunch. By the way, people aren't getting up and leaving because they're, they're done with the fun part. <laughs> um, these are a bunch of youth heading back to a great place. And um, anyway, my, something's clicking. Hopefully, we'll get it fixed for you. But um, we heard that expression, how you going? It's not how you doing. I said that about the first three days, and people were starting to point me to the airport to leave. So um, they, they say it, how you doing, mate, or how you going, mate? And uh, you just say, good mate, good mate. Good day, good day for you. And sometimes you think you're talking to a British person. Sometimes it sounds Canadian. And, um, and you, Lord only knows what you sound like to them, okay, when you try to sound Australian or New Zealand, uh, Aussie or Kiwi, whatever. But um, we're glad to be back. We had an absolutely fantastic time uh, in the land down under. And um, I, I have to tell you a couple of things. I, I, was, I flirted with the idea of, have you, how many of you have struggled with box elder bugs? <laughs> He's struggling no longer, okay? <laughs> just saying. Sorry, just had to do that. I came home from the land, uh, as it's described, the land that could, more things in Australia can kill and eat you than any other place in the world. But those things are about to do that to me right here in Tigard, Oregon, okay? So stop. Um, all right, back to my point. Um, Australia was amazing um, a, a, um, in, in so many memories and, um, and moments that it's difficult. I started to say I was going to show you pictures of some of the things and may, may do so in the future. But you didn't come to church to watch a slideshow of our vacation. It was more than a vacation, truly it was. It was, uh, it was uh, to celebrate our 40th anniversary is really the, the final nudge that we needed to get there. We wanted to, over the last four years, of course, to go and see our son who's lived there these four years to get his degree in physical therapy and begin to practice in a hospital in Perth. Uh, but uh, all, all was uh, sort of detained or... Um, prevented from doing so because of something all of us live with, COVID, and they were locked down on that island uh, more than any other place on earth, actually. Um, they like to say you could get off the island, but don't, you will not be able to come back. So that kind of spoils your uh, plans. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then um, cancer was the impact in our own personal family with Debbie's leukemia and, and um, 
that all kept us here, and many times we wanted to be there. So we finally got our chance, and it was a trip filled with amazing things. Yes, there are kangaroos and koala bears, and uh, they're really not bears, but they're as cute as you want in every way to take one home. <laughs> I'm not sure how customs would handle that. Uh, uh, they, they might deny entry, but wombats too. How many know what a wombat is? You're ahead of me. I was like, well, that's the coolest. I don't, I don't think I've seen a, a koala walk like that. And they looked at me like, hey, hey, it's not a koala. It's a wombat. And I thought, well, okay, what's that? It's like a deer and an elk. They both look alike. Is that true to you hunters? No, okay. Anyway. And then it is a truly a land filled with incredibly amazing places. From Sydney, where we landed, uh, the Opera House is truly uh, architectural wonder. I wrote Doug Wynn from there and said, you ought to build one of these in Oregon, you know, and uh, it, it really is marvelous, and we thought, uh, wouldn't it be amazing to be inside, and one night, we were, th we were there for five days in Bondi Beach, and, uh, which is nearby, and we um, would come into the Circular Quay, which is an area where all the ferry boats come in, and it's the hub of the city, and there's the Opera House, and the Harbor Bridge, and everything, and and uh, we were walk wandering around the place at night because that's another experience. And we did. And in that experience, uh, one of the people at one of the gates, they have a big event coming up most of the time. And um, she said, uh, where are you from? And we told her. And she said, uh, "There's." A, we said, when's the next big thing coming? And she says, well, it's going to happen tonight. There's a, a symphony, the Sydney Symphony, with a world-class viola. Uh, violinist playing tonight and we went oh wow wish we knew and she says now you know she says there's I'm sure there's seats just go up there and we said <laughs> I mean we were looking like you know scruff right we were looking like uh, travelers tourists and um, and she says oh that's that's just fine you'll see some tuxes and ties and dresses but but anybody you'll see it all so we by chance, walked up to the ticket offices, and um, they said, yeah, we've got seats, and we found our way to middle seats, way up high, but we could see it all, actually, and we sat through a symphony concert at the Sydney Opera House. Is that just, <laughs> I get chills telling you, and I, it, was, uh, it was just so impressive, and then there's Melbourne, and there's the Great Coastal Road, um, and it's, a, it's called the, the Great Ocean Road, and, it, and uh, it, it is so cool. It's, I kept thinking of the Oregon coast, only we don't have what they call the Twelve Apostles, which is at the end of this road. Uh, there's now seven of them. Uh, five of them have actually crumbled and fallen into the ocean. But they're sort of think haystack rock, and there's a series of those off the shore, and it's such a wonderful place, and you're in awe of that. And then how many feel hungry sometime midday or evening around here, okay? So you, next time you're in Brisbane, which is up north, next to Gold Coast, which doesn't help you much, but it's on the East Coast, go to Eat Street. Write that down and look it up, all right? They have uh, taken over what used to be uh, shipping container docks. There are 180 shipping containers that have been repurposed uh, as an eating 
center, acres and acres, uh, they call them hecta-somethings over there, not acres, but uh, it's a lot of, lot of land. And there are thousands of people, and you can have food from all seven continents. And um, concerts everywhere, and you even have to pay to even get into the outdoor place. So Eat Street is a must if you go to Brisbane. And then one more real quick for you is further north, the Wit Sunday. Wit, Wit Sundays. You need to look at it with this disclaimer. You will think somebody touched up the photos. If you look them up right now, and some of you are, I'm sure, but um, you'll think they touched those up. Nothing could look that good, and you would be right. They looked, it looks twice that good, twice that good. And it's uh, more commonly known as the area of the Great Barrier Reef. And we spent two days sailing and snorkeling the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, I mean, it was just... And if you don't know the Great Barrier Reef, uh, think um, getting on a plane in Portland and flying to um, almost L.A. and back. It's 1,600 miles long. It's said to be the largest living thing on planet Earth. It's seen from space. So it's that big, and we were there, and we got to enjoy all of that. And uh, for all that I just described, Debbie did wonderfully. Uh, many of you have prayed for us. Um, she is recover a recovered leukemia uh, uh, person, and um, she's just done, did remarkable. I don't think she had a nap the whole time, and um, it was just amazing. We, uh, she's not here this morning because she picked up a bug, as I did, um, uh, not in Australia, I don't think, um, by the way, I said they, there's a lot of things that could hurt you there um, and maybe eat you. Um, I did see one, and you can ask me later and I'll show you, but it was a spider. I was told they have epic spider, bigger than the bug I got. Um, and indeed, it was true. It was larger than my hand, and the body of it was my uh, big chunk of my palm. It didn't take a chunk of my palm. No, it didn't. It didn't. Um, but I was told that that one wouldn't hurt you, and I thought... <laughs> You touch it, you know. <laughs> I'm glad the person that was with us uh, was ahead of us on the trail. It was up at Whit Sunday and the, the reef because they came up, and I would not have seen it I, until it was like, hey, buddy, what are you doing here, you know? And um, anyway, we got a lesson about that. But our, our tour guide for all of that was our wonderful son, Trevor, and um, he just... He was so good. He was, uh, he missed his calling. He was going to be a doctor. He could have been a tour guide. This is <laughs> really good stuff. So, um, but, and then we helped him move home this past Friday, so, or uh, Tuesday, rather. I'm um, revealing the fact that I'm somewhat confused. <laughs> you are Grace Point, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where I am, but... Uh, Speaking of Tuesday, turns out we, we had two Tuesdays coming home, and that's a little of how this happened. So uh, we, we left Melbourne uh, in the evening on Tuesday and flew for uh, just shy of 30 hours um, to Sydney, to Honolulu, to Portland, and added all up in a couple of um, immigration breaks and things like that in between, and you end up at about 30 hours, and we crossed 17 time zones to get home. So you, uh, and by the way, that I said it was Tuesday. We arrived home Tuesday night. 
which really, you're right, you're adding it right. We had two Tuesdays, right? That's how it all uh, shook out. So it uh, gives new meaning for, for me personally of jet, jet lag, but don't feel sorry for me. I will say this, though. If my sermon turns out well, <laughs> let me say to you skeptics in miracles, you ought to rethink your view of miracles because it will be a miracle. Um, but that's, um, that's the deal. I want to just tell you very personally. Um, so on day four of our trip, we received the anticipated news of uh, the passing of my father, Larry McCracken. And um, <clears throat> it was uh, expected, but as one of the cards we received said, you can anticipate it, but you're never really ready for it. And we received that news um, that dad w had turned for home and was face to face with Jesus. And as you all know that, and we, we have been part of a church and a community of faith that has heard my dad describe his longing for heaven. And he is now uh, home in heaven. And it took a determined initial effort to stay in all in on our, uh, you know, really bucket list, if you want to call it that, our, our trip of a lifetime. Um, it was buoyed and by a belief that my father actually had, and he modeled it. And I want to camp on that belief this morning a little bit, because it's very real and very personal to me and very, very timely. Um, first of all, he said before he was no longer responsive and, and beginning his turn for home. He said, uh, don't rethink your trip. I know where I'm going. You go. And he made that a clear point with me and Debbie and my sister Sue and, and others. That life's going to go on for us. And uh, now for what I, um, I saw my father model. Uh, let me state it as a question this morning. And it'll tie us into God's truth here. If, he if heaven is where you're heading, how shall you live? If heaven is where we're heading, how should we be living? And, and I don't want to assume anything. So if you're brand new and kind of checking things out and you're going, heaven, how do I get there? Or you, you haven't made the uh, first step, you haven't bowed your knee to Jesus. You haven't acknowledged Jesus as the one and only Savior of your soul. That's where it begins. So in order for you to say, yeah, that's where I'm heading, you got to go there. He is the door. He is, as he put it, of himself, the way, the truth, and the life. So coming another way isn't an option. So I want to be clear about that, just to be fair, because uh, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to leave this life and go, I was, thought I was heading to heaven, and uh, no one ever told you that. So it's Jesus. He is the way, and he invites you. In fact, part of the reason the Bible makes clear that he hasn't returned yet for all of us, the bus has not come for all of us, is because he's waiting for as many as possible. His desire, all people, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So I want to say that. And that's what's behind if heaven is, if heaven is where you're heading, because my assumption is once you hear that, you're like, yeah, I'm all in, right? How many feel that way, right? That's the truth. Then there's an implication that I want to talk about, and that's 
how shall you and I be living? It's my message today. Um, and look at my title again, because I, 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 I stated it this way, because it was clearly my dad's practice. Live like you're heading home soon. Yeah, and he wasn't weird about it. He wasn't like you're telling him great news. Hey, we just had a baby. Yeah, great. Well, I'm going to heaven. No. Hey, we just bought a home. No, he's not. He's into it. Dad, we just got a trailer. Great. Have a great time. Are you preaching Sunday? You know, <laughs> <coughs> my dad wasn't so otherworldly, as it said, that he wasn't any fun here. But my dad did live. And that's why I'm honest in telling you I, I pulled this thought. He would say all my sermons came from him. But I pulled this thought from watching something unfold in all my memories. And that is, live like you're heading home soon. And, and uh, Dad did that. As many of you know, he longed for, and on April 28th, the bus came and took him home for a quick ride home. And on the door of my father's room, where I've been the last uh, couple of days, uh, looking through his belongings and finding new homes for much of it, I found uh, this on the front door uh, where he and my mother lived the last four years, uh, assisted a, a living uh, place, a senior center here in town my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak but God remains the strength of my heart he is mine for the rest of my life no doesn't say that at the end Psalm 73 27 says he is mine forever amen my health may fail, and his had failed. My spirit may grow weak. Uh, there were times where that happened. 2 Corinthians 4 says, The outer person may be struggling, but the inner person is being renewed day by day. It's why, and I won't name people's names, in our gathering today, but they're they're super alive. Their their lot their bodies are hurt, hurting. They're tired. They're super alive. So is Dad. Uh, <clears throat> so underscoring that truth, this earth and all of its special places, um, the 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 stuff we visited in Australia even isn't home. It isn't. Home is, is where Jesus is. This is how um, Peter put it in wonderful words. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new home, a new heaven and a new earth. It's the home of righteousness. It won't have bad headlines. It won't be those Moments that we have to work through where we sigh and say, why? Or how come? Or how long? 
That's why waiting's tough. Uh, to be home with Jesus is, uh, is where my dad is. So no wonder we are never fully satisf- satisfied away from home. Uh, you know that to be true, and um, I, don't, I don't say this to be weird, but as amazing as everything I just told you about Australia, uh, these words I'm going to read to you now uh, explain a little bit why I came home, and, I, and people are saying, don't you just want to move? And I'm like, yeah, home. Okay, now, here's what I mean by that. These are words from Solomon. He said a lot of really wise things. The Bible reports him to be the wisest human to ever live. Check it out for yourself in 1 Kings 3. He's, he's that guy. And this, he said, among other things in Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in the human heart. Chapter 3, verse 11. You may know that verse, but um, it has great relevance right now. That's why people often describe even special things uh, with a longing for more. Many do. I'm telling you that right now. Special things that leave you saying, I want more. And the Apostle Peter had something on his heart that approached that when he said this in chapter 3, verse 13. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to that new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells. So a question as you get ready to open your Bibles to 2 Peter 3. Just for today, we're going to be in Acts again soon and we got a great summer series that's going to start very soon. Second Peter chapter 3, on your way there, um, let me ask you, how often do you look forward to heaven? Dad did a lot. Uh, a related question is, does it show? See? Does it, does does your looking forward to show in you, in, in, in how you live? And if so, how so? Uh, what does it look like to look forward? Great, great word. You're going to read that three times in this little passage that we're going to look at here. Looking forward, looking forward. Uh, there was a country singer uh, many years ago who wrote a song. I didn't listen to a lot of country, but when I heard this song, I went, whoa, this guy's on to something here. It's uh, Tim McGraw. Some of you like Tim McGraw. So uh, he sang a song many years ago that expressed the same thought. It's titled, Live Like You Were Dying. Maybe you know the song. In it, he tells about a man who received really disquieting news when he was in his 40s, the dreaded news, you're dying, sir. Uh, and he was asked, how's it, how's it hit you when you get that kind of news? What'd you do? Great question. Most people I've been with who have been hit in an untimely way, and I'd call somebody in their 40s somewhat untimely, they're in a state of shock. And how does it hit you, he asks in his song. And he asks it of the man that it was, that news was 
shared with. And the man answered that question this way, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. And I went, that's insight. He said a lot more. We'll get to that later. But listen to this. In chapter 3 here, um, Peter is, uh, just to set it and understand it, uh, I like to think of Jesus' last words. I also like to think of um, Paul, the apostle's last words, 2 Timothy 4. By the way, Jesus' last words was to go and tell everybody about him. He said it five times. Big deal. Recorded by everybody. Paul said some things to Timothy. You want to read about him? Check out 2 Timothy chapter 4, last thing he wrote. And Peter did the same thing. We're reading from that last chapter that he ever expressed and found its way into Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3. Before I read these words, I want to tell you about, um, um, I read about a Jesus-loving man who lay dying. Uh, and his son was at his bedside. And that was me, and that was my sister and Debbie, uh, for, for a, a lot of very precious moments that we've shared. And, and we asked something of what this son asked his father. He said, Dad, how does it feel? And we talked very freely about that. Dad, how does it feel? And there were moments interrupted where he would look up and, and, you know, so much so, and re- with a reaching uh, motion. And, I, and I'm like, okay, Lord, if I look up and the ceiling's open, <laughs> and it's really you, there's a, even like an Elijah chariot coming, remember? I don't know if I'm going to uh, have a heart attack, too. <laughs> and, but um, he, he saw a thing. He saw something. And uh, this boy is asking his dad that. How does, it, how does it feel for you, dad, right now? You okay? And he was absolutely okay. And this father replied, son, I feel a little bit like a boy on Christmas Eve. I feel like a little boy on Christmas Eve. That's similar to our final weeks with my dad. You could see it could hear it. Yeah, you and I may not be, not l- right now, be lay- laying, dying, but we do live, as it were, on Christmas Eve, don't we? I think you'll agree when we read these words. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 8 starts, but do not forget this one thing. When you read something like that statement, know this about yourself. You are capable of forgetting. I always do that. I just go, don't forget this one thing, keep moving. No, no, Steve, stop. Have you forgotten this? Okay, good start. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. He's not beating you up. He's loving you. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So his time is different than our time. That's what it's saying. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. And here's why. 
He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to get on the bus. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. How do thieves come? In the dark. Are you waiting for them? You scheduled their visit? No. You're like, what are you doing? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, get a gun. No. Um, so the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be wide open, laid bare. Since that is true, verse 11 begins, since everything will be destroyed this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Y'all, I have never been in a lecture in seminary or anywhere else that was more impactful in a presentation than what Peter did in one sentence. He says all these amazing things that are going to come, and then he brings it down to, so let's talk about you. That's what he's doing here. So heaven's real, and it's going to happen quick, and it'll happen soon, and it'll be like a thief. And since all that's going to be, how should you live? He answers his own question. You ought to live holy and godly lives. And here's the first of three times he says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, number two, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Verse 14, so then, dear friends, since you are, third time, looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Um, <clears throat> let me give you a principle that's worth writing down. Since heaven is where we're heading, and again, I've, I've already explained that. I, I'm making an assumption that that's your desire too. Since heaven is where we're heading, spotless living should mark our lives. It matters how you live, how I live. Spotless living, you say, what is that? What does that look like? He's actually saying it in verse 11, uh, holy and godly lives. And he drops down in verse 14, says similar things, different words found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So spotless living or purity, is another word you could use there, involves standing out from the godless world in which we live. That's a touchy subject. Because I don't know of too many people where the world in which we live hasn't in some way influenced or marked their lives. The Bible's saying it should be different. Our aim should be different. Not to blend in, but to stand out. Uh, I've been accused of being too clean. Now you're not, look, you didn't hear that from a righteous guy, from a, a, a guy that doesn't blow it. But 
The world lives differently in many ways. And my goal is not to live like the world, but to live in the world in a way that I, I stand out as an attractive alternative. Does that sound reasonable? I mean, that's what I want for my life. Uh, so, so, so there is a contrast. And why? Why would Peter be saying this? Well, he says so because the world and its ways, that's not home. That isn't your home. Remember, a Christian's home is in heaven, verse 13, where righteousness is the order of the day. So a question before we move on. Do you live differently than the world around you? Um, Let me make it more personal. With regard to your time, how you spend your time and your money and uh, how you do your job which probably covers a lot of the things that we do uh, work relationships how you do school uh, that probably applies to more of the students that left already but you get the idea here everything's in play do people know that you do not belong to the world. You live in it, but you go by, you're listening to a different voice. You go by a different compass. Um, Would folks, uh, maybe the other side of my questions is would folks find it surprising to learn that actually heaven is where you're heading? That's the kind of stuff I think we have to look at. I walked into my father's building yesterday to uh, begin to find new homes and and people that can be blessed by his things. And um, I was stopped by many as I expected I would be. I I was fairly conspicuous because I've been there a lot. We've been there a lot for the last four years. But I, I, I was conspicuous for another reason. I had a big cart full of stuff and it was back and forth down the halls and elevators and everything and that's okay I mean there's no way to sneak out the back unless you do it in the middle of the night and uh, I had people come up to me and say some things that I just thought were worth sharing and one guy said you know he was he was I'm it's always, I'm so sorry. And I, and I say, thank you very much. I said, actually, Dad's not sorry at all. Because he turned for home, and he's now face-to-face with his Lord and Savior, Jesus, in heaven. And the reaction to that, I've become an evangelist because I say that 100%, that's my answer. And they, and they will say, I had yesterday in the parking lot, oh, I believe in the resurrection. Uh, one of you was in the parking lot yesterday and saw me and came over after I was talking to somebody else and their elderly parent is in the sort of final days. And, uh, and I, I just told them the hope we have. That um, They said, oh, moving? They didn't know me. They're new. And they said, oh, moving out? And I said, well, that's a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was talking to them before America. I said, uh, yeah, actually, they moved way out. Uh, it's my dad, and he's with Jesus in heaven. 
oh, there's just this hug, like, and, and this lady says, I, I believe in the resurrection. I said, amen, so do I. I will see him a day. There, again, there's a resurrection coming. There's a reunion ahead. Amen? It's a reunion. I hate goodbyes, but I love reunions. I do. Um, so it should be plainly evident that heaven is where we're heading by the evidence of me, of you. And only you can answer, is it, is it so? Or where, where do I need to let the Holy Spirit kind of dig into? Notice also blameless. You see that word? We read it already. Blameless described, verse 14, <coughs> a life devoted to pleasing God. You know me enough to be practical. Pleasing God is so vague to me. So when I ever pleased my dad, twice in my lifetime. <laughs> now, when I pleased my dad, you know what he did? What most of you are doing right now in response to my joke. Show me pleased, would you, right now? Okay? When I tell you I'm not going to preach till 2, we're going to get out here in just a little bit. Are you pleased? See what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. So pleased is so you can see him smile. That's what the Bible's saying. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and in Ephesians 2, uh, t no, uh, Ephesians 5, 9, 5, 10 says, find out what is pleasing to the Lord. What makes him smile? Ask yourself that in what you're watching on TV, how you're doing your job, how you're relating to your friends and family. And is the answer, he's smiling. If not, Ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that better so he smiles. He's our dad, isn't he? Heavenly Father. That's how it, that's how it works in my thinking. Um, uh, look at verse 14 again. I want you to just hear me read it again. Dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort. It's not just kind of casually as it comes up. Every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Paul said it differently in a way that I put to memory years ago. Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach, who live in a world that's marked by a crooked and perverse people, among whom you appear as lights in that world. Prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach. Same principle here. So, for example, are you blameless in how you do your job? In how you love your spouse or your friend, your kids, your parents? Uh, no one's perfect in anything I'm saying here. In, in how you uh, drive your car. <laughs> um, for the record, I drove once in Australia. They drive on the wrong side of the road. And um, we have footage of it. It was, I, I, my son said, Dad, dude, I'm not letting you go to the airport to leave without driving here. And 
The car even has the steering wheel on the wrong side. You know, everything's messed up. But I said, well, are the gas pedal going to be? No, it wasn't quite that. But anyway, do, the way you drive, is it, is it, it's in play. The way you worship is, and, and the way you give, uh, everything you have to give, your time, your service, your money, um, is it blameless? Does it make him smile? Does he Heaven is the hoped-for home for all who, by God's grace, have received his salvation. And as such, it should shape every aspect of how we live in such a way, as I've said, to make him smile. The Apostle Paul wrote this to another of his disciples. We spent a lot of time with Timothy. Titus was one of them. And he said this, and I want to read these words that he expressed to Titus in chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation, we've established that, that's how it happens, has appeared to all men. That means all people have access to salvation. It teaches us to say, the salvation teaches us to say, first word, no. To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions the things that we're capable of, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. This is accessible or we'd never be told to do it. It's doable. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself, that's why the cross is center peace in everything. He gave himself for us. If you want the gospel in one sentence, Christ died for, make it more personal than us, you, me. He gave himself up for me to redeem me from all wickedness and to purify for himself me. A person who is his very own, and he finishes his words eager to do what is good. It's my drive. And when it doesn't turn out that way, I have to go to him. And if I've messed up somebody else, I have to go to them and then come to him and say, God, help me do it better tomorrow. There's all kinds of imperfect people that are going to get into heaven. In fact, 100% of everyone that gets there is a screw-up. Yeah, you did. You blew it. You blew it, all, you blew it often. But the one that never blew it covers you and your sin in his complete righteousness. Amen? And that's why you can hold your head up and go, no, I'm not a piece of dirt and I don't eat worms. <laughs> right? I'm going to stand tall. I'm going to walk with courage and conviction and heart and grace. And Jesus is going to get the glory. So a question here near the end. Does your heavenly focus show uh, in your earthly life? It's the vertical should look some way. Does your heavenly focus show in how you're actually eager, not accidentally eager to do what's good? I want that. 
Does your heavenly focus result in living this way that we've talked about in Peter? Blameless, spotless lives. There was an English Puritan, I hesitate quoting him, Richard Baxter. Name sound familiar to anybody? A few people. Not, not surprising. He, um, he lived in the 1600s, long time ago. So, um, but he scratched his head, as many do today, in disbelief. Saying, you know, if God did all of this for his people, how come there isn't more to show for it in their lives? I thought, well, you got my attention because I've thought that in, in our world today. It's not just 1600. Here we are 400 years later. Same story. Um, so ask yourself, how true are his words of that day in describing our day and if you want to get personal, your life? I did when I read these the first time. If there be so certain, you got to bear with me a second. I redacted some of this with modern day English or we would be in real trouble. How, uh, if there be so certain and glorious a rest for the saints, that means heaven. <coughs> Keep that bug down. <laughs> Why is there no more passionate pursuit after it? We're so certain heaven is where we're heading. He's saying, why isn't there more passionate pursuit after it? One would think if a person heard only once of such unspeakable glory to be obtained, and that's how I read a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. <gasps> For real? That's unspeakable. That's just so different than what we know. Shouldn't those people be filled with devotion in their desire for that? That they would nearly forget to eat or drink or care for anything else but how to get this treasure. Still quoting. Yet people who hear of this daily, maybe us Sunday by Sunday, often, let's say, those who hear of it daily and profess to believe it as Fundamental to their faith, he concludes, do as little-minded or labor for it as if they had never heard of any such thing, nor believe a single word they heard. End quote. That ruffles my feathers. And can I just say for the record, that seems a little harsh to me. Because I'm looking in the faces of legit Jesus-loving people. Not all the time. And the guy that just said that, not all the time. But if heaven is where we're heading, a fair question is to ask, my title asks, does it show in how we're living? I started and I want to finish with Tim McGraw's words. Um, Remember the question, how does it hit you when you get news that you're dying? Here's more of what he said. 
and how it hit the man he sung about. The man said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times the year I lost my dad. And I finally read the good book. And I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all over again. And I'd love deeper and speak sweeter. And I'd give forgiveness that I'd been denying. And then the man said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. I'd like you to bow your heads today. Knowing that the Bible makes a clear point, heaven defines soon differently than we do. The lights come down. I'm going to have you just kind of take a moment and look a little deeper in yourself. We're going to finish with a single song today. You've had a lot to hear. And, and you don't need further help or a second sermon now. And in the words of the Apostle John, stay with Christ, live deeply in Christ, and you'll be ready for him when he appears. What a marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at, look at it. We're called his children, children of God. That's, that's who we really are. And that's why the world doesn't see us as we really are. But we are children of God. That's only the beginning, though. Who knows how we'll really end up? What we do know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we will see him. And in seeing him, the Bible says, we will be like him, fully pure and holy. And all of us, without exception, who look forward to his coming, stay ready with the purity that comes walking with him. Lord, help us to live ready for your return, Jesus. As though we're going to see you soon. Help us to live spotless and blameless lives because we can't pull it off on our own power. But help us to do that as we look forward to our new home where righteousness dwells. Meanwhile, let our lives, let us live them like we're heading home to live with a king. 
because we are. If you've heard something this morning that you need to talk about further with a friend, I'd be happy to be that friend. I'd like to invite you to stand as we sing this final song. And it's a song of gratitude for the one who gave his life so we could have life with him forever. Let's stand and sing together.